0: This first song I'm gonna do is by one of my very favorite singer-songwriters. She was just on the Grammys this past week and sang this song and I know a lot of people, it just really brought a lot of emotion to the surface. i looked at love that way, but now it's just another show, you leave them laughing No lie Glad to be back here. This song is dedicated to my mother. For all these times you stood by me, for all the truth that you made me see, for all the joy you brought to my life, for all the wrong. Truth for all the love I found in you I'll be forever thankful mama you're the one who held me up never let me the best,
1: the
0: best that was in me. Yeah, you lifted me up when I could not reach. You gave me faith because you believed. I'm everything I am because you loved me. You gave me wings and made me fly. You touched my hand, I could touch. I lost my faith. You gave it back to me. You said no star, no star was out of reach. You stood by me and I stood tall. I had to love. I had it all. Grateful for each day you gave me. gave me faith cause you believed I'm everything I am because you loved me The truth. My world is a better place because of you. Yeah. You were my strength when I was weak. You were my voice when I could not speak. You were my eyes when I could not see. You saw the best that wasn't me. Lifted me. You me faith.
2: into this circle, we gather into this circle of care to dream, to envision, to embody and achieve the compassion that we dream of, the justice we envision, the dignity of each in an ever-growing circle of love and justice. And we kindle our chalice as a reminder that we are a part of this worldwide search for love and justice. Let's celebrate together.
3: I invite you to join us in singing number 1023, Building Bridges in the Teal Hymnal. We're gonna start out singing at unison and then I'm gonna come over to that side. So you on this side follow, stay with Lydia and we're gonna sing a little bit of her round.
4: Breathe.
5: what to do. (laughs) Please be seated. (laughs) Good morning. I'm Judy Goring and for those of you who are not football fans, today is Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) Whether you are in the physical or virtual sanctuary, in the social hall or family room, everyone is welcome. Our services are multi-generational and they tend to be a little lively sometimes. Kids are welcome to sit right up front or anywhere in the sanctuary. We have a playground down in front for our smallest congregants with a soft rug and cool toys. There's a children's table in the back with some quiet activities. And for the children who need a little more room to move around, the family room across the hall has toys and a live feed of the service. You know, generally, when someone asks, how are you doing, you don't actually tell them how you're doing. Well, last week, along comes Elmo, (coughs) the famous Muppet who comes from Sesame Street. He posted a kind-hearted check on X, formerly known as Twitter, saying, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Well, on Sesame Street, there's no place for lies. Over 200 million views and over 40,000 replies, it became pretty clear to Elmo that people around the world aren't doing too well. We are living in anxious times, and it's important to check in with friends and say, how is everyone? So our church family, if you are feeling anxious, stressed, alone, just unsettled about world affairs, I invite you to raise your hand and take a look around How many people? Oh, yes. Look look whose hands up. Yes. You know, and Bob Marley has a song, One Love. There's a line in the song, in the chorus, that says, let's join together and I'll feel all right. In these anxious times, it's important to talk with friends and listen to some good music. This is our community, our house, our church family. It's made of people who care, who love and support one another. We are one people of many beliefs, many origins, sexualities, and genders. We are all growing, all learning, and all loved. Here in this house, may the storms outside give you peace here. Let us be a house of welcome. Everyone is welcome here.
6: Today, my story is about religious education, specifically covenant. And I just want to say that I see quite a few current and former teachers sitting in this room. (laughs) Uh, While covenant is foundational in many different faiths, the covenant that Unitarian Universalists share is the one that we make with each other, not with God. Think about your spiritual upbringing. Did you grow up in Unitarian Universalism? Do you have another religious background or none at all? Think about the first time you learned about covenant. Was it in a religious context or somewhere else? Think about how you understood the concept and what it meant to you and has that changed? So how do our religious education volunteers teach covenant to elementary age children. Fortunately, covenant, while very important, is not that hard to understand. We begin right away when new classes start in September and we talk about how and why we covenant and usually tell a story about it or describe to the kids how kids come together on a playground playing spontaneously, uh, make up the rules for a game, and once everyone agrees on the rules together, they can play the game. So when we agree to follow those rules that we make together, we are covenanting with one another. An elementary class covenant is a promise to each other about what we are going to do and how we are going to behave. Our covenant allows us to know how to be and what to expect and then to have fun playing the game we created. And then together we build covenant for that class. Kids learning about it for the first time think right away that we are making a list of rules. And after all, we have used that word, rules, right? Then we explain that a covenant isn't really just a list of rules. The difference is is that these are not my rules or a teacher's rules. We start with a blank piece of paper and ask everyone about their ideas. We want to know what they think, the ideas that all of the people in the class together, teachers and students have, about how you want to be when you are in class together. They become our promises to each other. We ask, what do you think will make our time together safe, fun, and productive? How do you think we should act when we're together? We talk together about the ideas and refine them. uh, Teachers suggest words about feeling safe and feeling respected if children don't bring those up uh, by themselves. And instead of a list of don't statements, we try to frame the ideas in positive language. No hitting can become respect others and their space. (laughs) And the covenant we make is new every time we're together. And especially when a new child or teacher joins the class. Whenever it's needed, we change the covenant together. I just want to mention that today, we had a new child visit the class, and the first thing the teacher did was take her to the covenant and explain what that was to her, and she signed it. So everyone in the room signs this covenant, even those who can't write yet. We can, we can help them, and I think that for some children, this is their first experience signing their name to a document. It's important and they feel that, they really feel that. And so we do this every year and we get better and better at it, every year defining what we think should be in it. And then our Unitarian Universalist understanding of covenant keeps showing up in a lot of places on the playground, in our families, and among our youth, in UU Kids Camp, and in our lives outside of church. So I really enjoy reading the covenants, and I save them. They're a good teaching tool. And I've noticed that sometimes it's hard to figure out how to avoid no and don't. For instance, and Some of you may recognize these as your contributions. (laughs) No salty language. That was found on a covenant for a pre-K through first grade class. (laughs) No Luigi's, Mario's, shooting, or flamethrowers in class. It's okay on the playground, though. Don't mess with the rug. Don't hurt anyone, mentally or physically. Hands off the chalice table. All of these came from elementary classes and mostly they're very positive. This next one is my personal favorite. I think I need to embroider it on a pillow. Everyone is a teacher, right? Change the rules together. Use a fidget toy if you need one and keep it in your own space. Have fun, share and take turns, and respect others' choice of music. And eventually, the covenant will get broken. What then? Well, sometimes this question comes up when we're making the covenant, and sometimes it doesn't come up until someone is out of covenant. So usually we stop what we are doing and talk about what's happening and how that breaks our covenant. We ask the class, what do you think should happen? We talk about covenant again and why we have it. And then we talk about forgiveness.
2: Before we get to meditating, I just want to say how good it is to have Lydia Clark back behind the Ivories. Good to see you, Lydia. That's good. Lucky to get her gifts. Let's move into a time of meditation or reflection or just a little quiet. So find that comfortable seat for your body, maybe feeling where your hands are resting where your feet are resting. Let's take a deep inhalation. And exhale. You can keep doing that if you want. And I invite you now to turn your attention to your breath. Don't try to control it. Just be a witness to your breath. Some folks like to count their breaths while they're sitting this kind of meditation. And when you stop thinking about your breath and think about other things, which which is inevitable, then just gently bring your mind back to your breath when you realize you're doing it. Let's be quiet together.
3: For remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference.
4: We forgive ourselves and each other.
3: for each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible
4: we forgive ourselves and each other
3: Struck out in anger without just cause.
4: We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in
3: love. For each time that our greed has blinded us to the needs of others, selfishness that set us apart and alone.
4: We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again
3: in love. For falling short of the admonitions of sight, our unity.
4: We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in
3: love. For those, and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, to fuel the illusion of separateness.
2: Judy said these are anxious times perhaps you are carrying anxiety with you concerns for people or places that you bring to church today in a moment I'll invite you to speak what's on your heart into our sanctuary that we can share them perhaps. these exhortations, we add more longings. We lift up our state legislature as they finish this year's session. May they protect our land and our workers and our children with all that they do. On this day when for-profit entertainment reaches its apex in America with the Super Bowl, May we finally put aside team names and mascots that appropriate and disrespect Native Americans. We pray for Reverend Angela as she travels to meet with the senior ministers of large UU congregations. May her time bring wisdom and renewal. We pray for everyone in this congregation who is sick who is grieving, who is lonely. May they feel the care of this religious community. All these we lift up to the great powers of healing known by many names. On Friday, I was at the Roundhouse lobbying with our partners, the New Mexico Interfaith Power and Light and the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice And I was asked at the last moment to give a prayer at a rally in the Rotunda. The rally was called, Let Gaza Live. This is what I shared. Spirit of life, God of many names, love that surrounds us. We are in the presence of the divine. When we witness inhumanity, may we be called to humanize others and become more human ourselves. When we witness horror, may we be called to deeper compassion. When we are challenged by the ideas of others, may we seek not so much to be understood as to understand. When we feel that we must speak, May we be called to speak with humility. May we set the old ways of domination and demonization aside. And may we find a new way where we place love at the center of everything that we do. Amen and blessed be and peace be with you. I want to tell a story about a minister that I know. One day, out of the blue, this minister received an email from a congregant. Let's call him Gerard, that's not his real name. I'm not talking about this church, by the way, just to be clear. And Gerard was upset that the director of religious education and the minister included their pronouns in the signature lines of their emails. It's too much, he said as if they were holding him down and shouting their signature lines at him over and over. And the minister really had no idea why this came up for Gerard. But they did know that this was one of those emails where the right thing for them to do was to close their laptop for 24 hours and only after then think about responding because they were furious. What the writer didn't know is that the director of religious education had a child who struggled with gender identity and had suffered enormously because of their struggles. Suffered unspeakably. And as the minister thought about the hurt that this unsolicited email would cause their DRE, who did not ask for this, they just about lost their mind. So they took their own advice, and 24 hours later returned to that email and We're now slightly less maniacal. And they saw that in the past day, the DRE had written back to this person. And in the most gracious and gentle way possible, she had explained why including pronouns normalizes not assuming that we can guess someone's pronouns by just looking at them. We can't guess someone's gender just by looking at them. And by asking a person what their pronouns are, we can avoid misgendering a person, which can be very painful for that person. Anyways, the minister was just floored by the generosity of her response. It was a generosity that, frankly, the minister didn't think the writer deserved. But in that moment, the DRE was the better minister. She handled it better than the minister could at that moment. Well, Gerard wrote back a kind of mealy-mouth, non-apology, which she accepted regardless. It wasn't settled for the minister though. And the minister joined the email conversation and they they thanked the DRE for their kind response. And then they said that they wanted to have a conversation with Gerard. That was all. I mean, to be clear, the minister's anger had ebbed and now all they wanted to do was have a face-to-face and see if there was an opportunity for learning for him somewhere in all of this. But Gerard, sensing that there might be a moment of accountability here, wrote back and quit the church. Let's put a pin in that story. Now, First Unitarian has a covenant. It's actually called a mission covenant, but it's a covenant. And I'd like to read it to you. And as you, you can find this on our website if you want. And, you know, when new members join the church, they recite this covenant together. This is what we all sign on for when we join this church as I read it, I want to invite you to think about how Gerard may have fallen out of this covenant. We, the member, m- members of First Unitarian, agree to promote the spiritual, intellectual, and personal growth of each member. Minister to each other in an atmosphere of welcome, acceptance, and caring. Be a positive force for social, environmental, and economic action. Promote the wider understanding of our purposes and principles in the larger community. Provide a dynamic religious education program for all ages. To these ends, we declare our our commitment to the health and vitality of this religious community. That's it. So we throw this covenant language around a lot. We say we are a covenantal faith. What does that mean? We might say someone or something was out of covenant. What does that mean? How do we live into this first Unitarian Covenant? So let's back up and talk big picture about covenant for a moment. We make covenants in many areas of our lives. Marriage vows are a good example. And there are some people for work, like those in the service or people taking public office who have to swear an oath about their work, and that's a kind of covenant. And a covenant can be something as simple and low stakes as joining a book club and agreeing to read the assigned book by the time the next meeting happens. So how many folks have broken that covenant? (laughs) If you didn't put your hand up, it just means you've never been in a book club. (laughs) Over the course of the Unitarian and Universalist traditions, there were a series of statements of belief that amounted to covenants. For example, in 1887 at the Western Unitarian Conference, the conference created a document entitled, Things Commonly Believed Today Among Us, which included the statement, we believe that we ought to join hands and work to make the good things better and the worst good, counting nothing good for self that is not good at all. Counting nothing good for self that is not good for all. That's pretty good, huh? I like that one. I think in some ways the specifics of the covenant are less important than the fact that it is a covenant. We have our eight principles, of course, but it's the overall idea that when we join this church, we make a commitment not to God, not to some headquarters out of state, but to each other. We're saying that the basis of our religious community is how we are together as a group, as a congregation. It creates an understanding that this Church is not something we're handed, but something that we co-create. When people talk about Unitarian Universalism, some folks sometimes will say, the most important thing about being UU is that we don't have a creed. That it's all about religious freedom. And I disagree with that. You can have all the religious freedom you want and go to brunch on Sunday morning instead of coming here. We can be all by ourselves doing religious freedom all day and never remotely be a community. But if we have a covenant, if we're asked to come out of that individualist mentality to put aside our selfishness, to think of the whole instead of just our needs, when we're asked to be a part of something bigger that is trying to make meaning and purpose in our lives, to make a more just and caring world, and to be companions on the beautiful and challenging path of life. Sure, we can do things like seek wisdom and find a better way to live like on our own, sitting in our living rooms. But there is something about aspiring to do that work in a group that has holiness in it. I've seen over and over in congregations and intentional communities that magical things happen. When we're in intentional communities, magical things happen. If we were just about a specific creed, we'd be chained to some unchanging truth that doesn't learn, doesn't grow. But in covenant, we keep creating new things, knowing that revelation is ongoing. We celebrate the dynamic tension of having different beliefs, and when it's working well, we learn and change by talking about our different beliefs. If we were just about a specific creed, we'd want uniformity in this church and for all of us to say all the same things. But in covenant, we lift our many voices not in unison, but hopefully sometimes in harmony. Maybe sometimes we even get to unison, but that is not required. If we were just about a creed, There would be an us and a them. There would be insiders and outsiders. There would be the chosen and everybody else. But in covenant, we strive to be in relationship. As the saying goes, we're always trying to draw the circle wider, to create a space where there's true welcome, true affirmation for all. This is specific. We have a a group called the Widening the Circle Group. That is specifically their work. And you hear it during the messages and our Sunday services. A lot of folks in this church were really happy when I preached about our need to talk about money in class and how those things get in the way of doing true welcome here. All this is about creed. It's not about creed, rather, but about covenant, about living into that covenant. So again, covenant is fundamental to who we are. It's fundamental to who we are, and yet we reference it only in passing, and we rarely get into details the exception of religious education, which Mia pointed out, they do it all the time, and they do it really well, and it's so important, and you can tell the difference. This year, I'm hoping that we're going to talk and think a lot about covenant. The Unitarian Universalist Association Common Read for 2023 to 24 is called On Repentance and Repair. It's by Rabbi Daria Rutenberg. It's subtitled Making Amends in an Unapologetic World. Reverend is gonna be preaching on that on on February 25th. And she and I will be teaching a class on it after that. So watch for information about that in the newsletter. So why are we talking about this now? Uh, And I realize now, Reverend Christine is here and I totally forgot to ask you, Reverend Christine, if I could tell this story about a conversation we had. So, is it okay? (laughs) I, I promise you look good. I'm sorry, really. It is a professional courtesy to check in beforehand. I, I, boy, I need. I fell out of covenant there. Jeez. Anyways, I had a great conversation with Reverend Christine, which and they're almost always great. And she was. We talked about covenant, and she said to me that 30 years ago, the understanding of covenant was that as long as you didn't shoot anyone, you were still in covenant. Now nowadays, we know that it's more than that. That it's not okay to call people terrible names, or in the case of Gerard. Get angry when other people try to create a more inclusive church. And maybe covenant was less less important back then. Uh, I I I would hesitate to say that we had less divisiveness back then in the congregation, but maybe it was somehow different. I don't know. But I think perhaps covenant became important to this church when we started to get real about how white supremacy was showing up in our congregation. When we started reading about white fragility and taking a good, hard look at ourselves, and and that started to make us a little bit uncomfortable. When we started the eighth principle work and had to decide for ourselves just how committed we were to anti-oppression. And when we began pushing ourselves to be genuinely welcoming to trans and non-binary people. And when we made changes to how we do the sanctuary that welcome kids and families into our space, they might make a little noise, during the services, but we made those changes. And when we realized that being truly welcoming comes with some discomfort. And in fairness, the covenant, our agreement about how to be together, got more important when the world outside our sanctuary became harder. Climate change and a democracy in peril is making us anxious. And when we are anxious, we are less likely to be gentle. We are less likely to be in tune with the feelings of others. We might be a little more jagged. And when we're anxious, it's easier to mess up and fall out of covenant. So let's go back to Gerard. When Gerard quit the church, rather than stay in relationship, rather than stay in dialogue, he missed a chance for some learning. He missed an opportunity to grow. And I'm guessing, I don't know, but I'm guessing that he sensed what was coming next for him and that it was gonna make him uncomfortable. And leaving a church that he had belonged to for decades felt like an easier path to him than having to take a good hard look at himself. Leaving his church home felt easier than looking at himself. But I don't think Gerard is entirely to blame in this moment. Every Unitarian Universalist church has a covenant But most every covenant I've seen is like our covenant, which it is, it has some nice ideas, but it's pretty vague. It can be hard to tell from these covenants what behavior and speech is out of covenant and what is not. Recently, a congregant called me a Nazi and refused to apologize for that. (laughs) And it was so over the top, I had to laugh about it. But I think in a weird way that congregant thought that they were still in covenant. That somehow that kind of name-calling was justified to support the point that he was trying to make. In case you're wondering, it's actually totally out of line. But I don't know. I, mean, I think the danger of a vague covenant is that a misguided person could somehow think that, that it's okay. So we need covenants that help us better understand what behaviors are okay and what behaviors are not okay. And perhaps more importantly, most every covenant I've seen is like our covenant in that it doesn't offer a clear path to returning to covenant and right relationship. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're all going to screw up at one point or another and definitely including myself. And I think it's even more likely that when we wade into the the troubled waters of examining our privilege, of confronting our unconscious ways that we're not welcoming or subtly excluding people, we don't have much practice about talking about race or class or gender. It's super awkward for us. And as we stumble into this new territory, even if we're well-intentioned, we're probably gonna mess it up at one point or another. So I really would like to give Gerard the benefit of the doubt and say that he was well-intentioned when he wrote that email. I don't know what that intention was, but maybe he was well-intentioned. But boy, did he screw up. And when that became apparent to him, he did not have an example of making amends and returning to covenant to look to. There was no history in that church that showed him how to do that. There were no examples of other congregants had stepped in it, who had corrected themselves, and who had returned to the congregation, perhaps even more beloved, for having done the work. He had none of that to look at. So we need to create that path together. And we need to remember our first principle, that everyone has worth and dignity, even if they've messed up. And we need to remember that everyone has the possibility of redemption. Seriously, if we do not believe that people can change, then what the heck are we doing here? Without that possibility that people can change, including ourselves, we're just, I don't know what we're doing here. It's going to take some time and some work together to create these paths, and that is our work together to co-create. So like I said before, Reverend Angela will be talking about repentance and repair in detail in her sermon on on the 25th. But I want to offer this opinion, this one opinion about how I think this should work. As we're creating a path to returning to covenant, let's be sure to avoid reproducing our country's terribly flawed legal system within the church. In this legal system that we have now publicly, a person is either completely guilty or completely innocent. But we know, if we're honest with ourselves, that when things happen in our church, that is rarely the case. That often, everyone involved bears some responsibility for the things that happened. And that true repair will require that all parties own their part of it. Everyone owns their part of it. Now I wanna be clear that this does not apply to situations where a predator is taking advantage of someone vulnerable. In those those cases, the victim bears no responsibility. But when it's a question of tempers flaring or turf battles or bad words being exchanged there might be some mutual fault and that requires grace from everyone involved and in that i want folks to meet in terms of the spirit of our covenant rather than picking at the language to find loopholes that's what i meant when i called this sermon love not legalism let's keep our eyes in the big picture it's like the song says building bridges between our divisions. I reach out to you. Will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions, we could make such sweet harmony. And that is my prayer for this church. So be it.
5: our offertory today we have the words by Erica Hewitt. What we say, yes. The offering we take each Sunday isn't just a stale habit. It's an opportunity to commit to this place and to this people. Our offering is an affirmation of of a yes. When we give, we say yes to something we value. With our gifts freely given, may we say yes to the values of our faith. May our offering help us practice Unitarian Universalism within and beyond our congregation as tools to empower our mission. An important part of our mission is to support one another in an atmosphere of welcome, acceptance, and care. Our Change for the Future partner this month is CASAQ, a caring organization that provides safe living for LGBTQ youth and their allies through housing, services, and advocacy. You may mark a pew envelope, CFF, or place coins in the basket to benefit Casa Q. You can donate Casa Q by dropping your loose change in the collection box or using the envelope we will now gratefully receive the offer.
2: What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian and on behalf of Casa Q, a very worthy organization. We have so many announcements.
5: Yeah, we do. (laughs) The mural, which you see behind us, is the centerpiece of our sanctuary, holds its own stories, histories, and mysteries. Come close and learn its secrets with our Minister Emerita, the Reverend Christine Robinson Starting at 12.15 today. A new offering in our Histories and Mysteries Tours.
2: And it's our 75th anniversary year all year. You are invited to visit a table that's in the social hall to help us prepare for our first big event of the year on March 16th. We're looking for folks to help out with setup and cleanup and providing beverages and food. If you're interested in doing that, go check out the table there. And... You are invited to join the fourth Sunday speaker series, fourth Sunday speaker series, when it returns in two weeks at 10 a.m. in Memorial Hall. We'll continue to explore homelessness in Albuquerque. And the speaker will be Jasmine Moreno, who serves as the system improvement lead of the New Mexico Coalition to End Homelessness. And they are awesome, so it's worth checking out.
5: And his next announcement, I need some help. You all know the song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? I want you all to sing the first line. You ready? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Now that we know that you all can sing, the, the Chalice Choir and Soul Singers are welcoming new members. You see the Chalice Choir once a month on Sundays. But did you know about the Soul Singers? They are a pastoral care choir. They make visits to folks in need and sing simple harmonies to people as spiritual care. Please talk, yes, yeah, please join. We need, we need. (laughs) Talk with Susan Peck, uh, if you'd like more information. And we need singers in both groups, and we know you all can sing now.
2: First Unitarian is proud to be a teaching congregation We have a history of every other year, bringing in seminarians to be ministerial interns, and we're excited to announce that we've hired an intern for this coming year. Ron Annan is in his fourth year at Star King. Really interesting background, and he'll be joining us in mid-August. Just wanna let you know that that's gonna be happening.
5: Do you know we're hiring an AV manager? Yes, we need one desperately. (laughs) If you know people with experience and sound, leading volunteers, please pass along this job opportunity and more information can be found on our website.
2: All right, we often offer a discussion question. Today the question is, what would be included in your covenant with the church? What would be included in your covenant with the church? Something to mull about, maybe talk with your friends or family. And I want to welcome our visitors, if we have any visitors here. I've decided to make a to stop. Oh, hi. Good to see you. I was actually going to ask people to not have to put up their hands anymore because it's so mortifying. But you, like, you, apparently, you clearly are extroverts. <laughs> Anyways, let's give them a warm welcome. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> If you haven't had an opportunity, you can check out the welcome table back there. and I hope you'll come and have a cup of coffee in our social hall. It'd be great to get to know you better. If you have questions, come and find me. I'm happy to talk to you, too. And I invite everyone to stand up, and embody your spirit, do our blessing to each other. One hand on our hearts, other hands, reaching out to our companions on the path. We are a blessing. Blessed be.
3: And while you're up, I invite you to grab that gray hymnal and open to number 318. This is a, one of those old-school, beloved Unitarian hymns that people have been singing for years. We would be one, as now we join in singing.
2: Peace and place love at the center of everything that you do.